Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Wise. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We are on our second show today. We're broadcasting live from the ISM 100th Anniversary Conference and Exhibit in lovely Phoenix, Arizona. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. Lou, how are you today? I'm doing great, and it's uh, still not 100 degrees here today. (laughs) We are very excited to have uh, the two chairs from the Institute of Supply Management, the chair for the Manufacturing Report on Business, Mr. Brad Holcomb, and the chair for the non-manufacturing report on business, Mr. Tony Nieves. So, Brad, how are you today? I'm just great. Uh, always good to be with you and great to be here in Phoenix at the 100th anniversary conference, uh, as you mentioned. And Phoenix happens to be one of the places that I call home. Went to school here. Ah, and uh, Tony, how are you today? Great, thank you. I appreciate uh, being on the show and also, uh, this was once home for me for five years. Oh, look at that. Well, I have, I've done conferences out here frequently. I was particularly uh, pleasantly surprised yesterday when I heard that Mr. Brad Holcomb has been awarded the Jay Shipman Award from the Institute of Supply Management. Brad, congratulations. congratulations. That's wonderful. Thank you very much. Uh, it was a, a fun day and certainly an honor to be uh, inducted into that uh, that group of individuals that have been pioneers and leaders and icons in our procurement and supply management professional uh, association. And my colleague, Tony Nieves, is also a previous Shipman Award winner. I'm with a life-size statue of uh, myself, and so it's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Uh, this morning, both Brad and Tony, in a uh, co-presentation, presented the update of the annual forecast for 2015. So I'd like to jump into that. And Brad, I'm going to ask you to start and kind of go over, as you did this morning, the bullet points of the update. Yes, um, we had a nice crowd this morning of um, professionals, and uh, Tony and I, Uh, gave a presentation on the 2015 semi-annual forecast, uh, which is an update from the previous December's forecast. And uh, following our discussion, we teed up uh, our lead economist keynote speaker, Mr. Barry Osmus, and that was uh, a great presentation. And following that, we all did a QA and a with the audience uh, for about 20, 25 minutes. So it was an exciting morning. As I mentioned, uh, Tony and I led off, and uh, here's what we talked about. Uh, We did the spring update of the December 2014 forecast for the remainder of 2015. We did it both on the manufacturing and non-manufacturing sectors. And uh, as we'll talk in more detail, we compared the forecasts for 2015 with the reported results for 2014. Uh, We also uh, have a full report out that was released this morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's also on our website, which covers more of the detail, uh, including the broad sector overviews 
with industry-specific insights. Could you give us that uh, URL address, please? Uh, that is uh, ism.ws. And, I see and another... it's actually just changing um, to ism.instituteforsupplymanagement.com. Okay, that's a mouthful, but just spell it out, the instituteforsupplymanagement.com. And again, the report is up already. It goes into detail on what we talked about, and we'll try to cover the highlights today in the areas of of revenue, growth expectation, capital expenditures, commodity prices, and employment. Plus, we asked our panel, and by the way, we have two panels, one on the manufacturing side, uh, another one on the manufacturing and non-manufacturing of about 350 professionals each. We asked them special questions this time. The first one related to the West Coast port slowdown situation as to how that either did or did not impact their businesses. And the second question was with respect to the drop in oil prices and how that either affected or didn't affect whether it was short-term or long-term. So we'll cover those insights that we gained from the panel as we go along this morning. Brad, if you want to start going into some of the bullet points on the manufacturing side, and Tony, feel free to jump in on the non-manufacturing piece of that puzzle. Good. Let's go back and forth a little bit, and I'll start on the manufacturing side. Um, I'll reference uh, the initial forecast for uh, December from December 2014 for this year and uh, talk about how things have, have changed. And let me just start with re revenue, and then I'll kick it over to Tony. The initial forecast for overall average revenue increase from December for this year was 5.6%. That was a pretty healthy, uh, robust forecast. Our update is 3.5%. Uh, revenue increase. So it's down a couple of percentage points. And as uh, we all know, we had a kind of a slow first quarter uh, because of a number of headwind issues, including the two that I mentioned, the West Coast port situation, uh, oil prices, uh, add to that the strong dollar uh, and uh, a severe winter, at least uh, for periods of time in certain locations. So our revenue forecast, once again, is 3.5%, which is just about equal to where we ended up 2014 at 3.6%. So we're going to be roughly even with that according to this new forecast. Tony? When we look at the summary for non-manufacturing, in 2014, revenue was projected to be 5.1%. And the cap capital expenditure was projected to be 3.3%, and prices were expected to be about 1.7%, and employment uh, was also at 1.3%. And when looking at that compared to you know the initial forecast back in 2014, uh, revenue <clears throat> was uh, projected to be 10% for 2015, and capital expenditures at 3.8%. And prices at 2.5%. Uh, 
with employment increasing slightly to 1.7%. Now, when we asked our respondents to give us what they thought would be the balance of the year for the forecast, they adjusted that. They said the revenue was only going to be 2.9%. Let me provide a little clarification to that. It seems like there was a big swing from that 10% to that 2.9%, and a lot of it had to do with confidence levels and um, corrections according to what our monthly was looking at. When you look at the monthly report on business, in December it was very strong. In January it was also very strong, and we had that momentum going into February. Then all of a sudden we took a bit of a dip in March for the uh, uh, non-manufacturing sector. It looked like there was a cooling off uh, for non-manufacturing, and I think that really impacted the confidence level of our respondents going in and looking at the balance of the year. Now, I'll also say that if you look at the 2.9%, 54% of the respondents had indicated that it would be about 8.9% revenue growth for their respective industries, their companies and industries, and that uh, over 30% said that it would remain about the same, and there was about 11.6% that said their revenues would go down. Uh, so when you pull that all into uh, the equation, it kind of helps to explain a little bit why that the revenue uh, percentages for that index softened up a bit. And with that, that goes hand-in-hand hand with the capital expenditure of 1.5%. I think that uh, once things kind of pick up a little bit going through, because we had a very good monthly report for non-manufacturing that was released yesterday. So I think that'll help the confidence level a little bit. And then uh, when you look at employment, uh, that's uh, increased a little bit to the 2%. Brad, how did uh, your uh, uh, update forecast uh, look in comparison? Yes, well, I've covered revenue, and again, we're we're down to 3.5%, <clears throat> which is roughly where we ended up uh, 2014. The other components that we talked about are capital expenditures, prices, and employment. And Capital expenditures for the balance of the year, uh, or at this point, our forecast is 3.1%, and that compares to 3.7% in the initial forecast, so so down a bit. And down considerably from 2014, which was nearly 15%. So we're, we're coming off a banner year in terms of capital expenditures, adding to our plant's capacity and technology and sort of taking a, a little bit of a, of, of a break in that regard. But the 3.1% that we're forecasting currently is really a fluid number, and it will depend upon how the rest of the year goes. If things go well, uh, the growth increases, then our chief procurement officers, chief financial officers, will work together to open up the purse strings and pour more capital into the businesses. So stay tuned on capital expenditures. It often changes uh, according to, to what's going on during the year. Pretty fluid. The next uh, dimension is prices of raw materials. Um, let me start with the original forecast for 2015 from December. We forecast that the prices on average of raw materials would increase one and a half percentage points, relatively modest, and almost equal to what we reported as an actual for 2014 
at 1.2%. The new forecast for the balance of the year is minus, or for the total year actually, is a reduction of 0.9% on average for raw materials. Uh, that was a little bit surprising, uh, although we've certainly seen the direction in the first four months as we report each month that prices have been down uh, January through April and, of course, largely due to the drop in oil prices and all the things that uh, that pertain to oil like resins uh, and metals, which take a lot of energy to, to produce and so on. So we're actually going to experience, according to this forecast, a reduction in raw materials prices, which is really good news, at least in the short term. It translates into a margin opportunity for our companies, and that keeps them healthy and and growing. The the final component uh, that I'll talk about at this moment is employment. Uh, The original forecast was that we would add to our ranks by 1.5 percentage points, that's actually uh, now estimated to be 0.7 percentage points for the balance of the year. Although the first three months of the year, we also added to our ranks. We reported on that monthly, and it was only in April that that particular index dropped below 50. So in the first four months, we certainly added to our employment roles. The additional 0.7% uh, for the balance of the year will probably end up to represent 1% to 1.5% uh, increase in employment, very comparable to next year. Brad, to last year, sorry. Thanks, Brad. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back with Brad Holcomb from, uh, the, from the Manufacturing Report from the Institute of Supply Management and Tony Nieves with the Non-Manufacturing Report here on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778. All Metals and Forge Group manufactures open-die forging in blocks, hubs, shafts, flanges, cylinders, gear blanks, and custom forge shapes, including seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, nickel alloys, copper and titanium for parts and assemblies in aerospace, oil and gas exploration, defense, machinery, transportation, shipbuilding, energy and power, pulp and paper, and many other industries. Visit steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Welcome back to all of our listeners. We're here with my co-host, Lou Wise, from All Metals and Forge Group, who's also uh, the show sponsor for Manufacturing Talk Radio. We have uh, Mr. Brad Holcomb, who is the chair of the 
Institute's uh, Manufacturing Report on Business, and Tony Nieves, who's the chair of the Institute's Non-Manufacturing Report on Business. And Brad and Tony, I'm just going to let you uh, kind of free wheel here back and forth to give a lot of great information that uh, you gave out this morning in this report. Go ahead, Brad. Great. Let me let me mention again the website uh, to read all about uh, this report and, and previous reports. Uh, I misspoke a little bit. It's new. Uh, it's ism.instituteforsupplymanagement.org.org. So please look at the full report uh, to get all of the details in terms of the industry sectors uh, in non-manufacturing and manufacturing. Uh, speaking of uh, industry sectors, on the manufacturing side, we cover 18 industries that represent uh, manufacturing across the United States. And in our forecast that we've just released, 14 of the 18 industries are, are forecasting revenue growth in 2015. And I'm going to uh, read them, actually, so that uh, you'll understand which of the 14 uh, and as I read them, the one that I read first represents the most growth or the highest level of growth down to uh, the least level of growth. The first one is nonmetallic mineral products. Second, paper products. Third, primary metals, furniture and related products, machinery, textile mills. Next is food, beverage, and tobacco products. Next is fabricated metal products, plastic and rubber products, then chemical products, miscellaneous manufacturing, electrical equipment appliances and components, computer and electronic products, which happens to be our largest segment that we cover, and then finally transportation equipment. So all 14 of those manufacturing industries are forecasting revenue growth in 2015. There are four of our sectors that are reporting some contraction, starting with petroleum and coal products, which is no surprise. They're the industry that's getting hit the hardest by the uh, oil price decline, but also printing products, wood products, and apparel and leather products. So those four are uh, reporting a forecast of, of somewhat declining, not very much, but uh, somewhat uh, below zero, if you will. And there you have it with uh, the 14 that are growing and the four that are declining. On the non-manufacturing side, leading the pack is the retail trade sector, followed by transportation and warehousing, wholesale trade, construction, agriculture, forestry, fishing, and hunting, professional scientific and technical services, information, finance and insurance, accommodation and food services, healthcare and social assistance, arts, entertainment, and recreation, public administration, and educational services. There were three industry uh, sectors that um, said that they would have contraction for 2015, and they are uh, mining, other services, which is comprised of companies such as printmaking, uh, photocopying services, 
temporary parking services and, and others that are in there. You can see the full detail of that um, in the report or on the website, as well as utilities. Brett, how's the summary of manufacturing? Well, the the summary and um, we we cover we covered a few of them. I'll repeat them, uh, but some additional information starts with the operating rate uh, is currently at seventy nine point five percent of not of normal capacity, and that's below what I consider uh, full operating uh, capacity of eighty five percent. We we always like and, and need about 15% cushion on top uh, at 79.5. We're well below that, which means we've got room to grow and we'll uh, have the ability to run efficient operations. Uh, production capacity is expected to increase 3.4% in 2015. Uh, capital expenditures, which I mentioned before, expected to increase 3.1% in 2015. Uh, prices paid uh, decreased 1.9% through the end of April, uh, but they're expected to increase by one percentage point for the balance of the year. So as I mentioned earlier, doing the math, we expect that prices to decrease by a total of 0.9% for all of 2015. Manufacturing employment is expected to increase 0.7% during the remainder of the year. As I mentioned, we've added to our ranks in the first three months. So the, uh, the, the final tally will be somewhat north of uh, 1% or so. Manufacturing revenues, again, 3.5% uh, increase, about even from uh, what we reported last year. And then on an overall perspective basis, uh, we expect manufacturing to maintain its positive growth trend in 2015. For non-manufacturing, the operating rate is currently 86% of normal capacity. And you know, we have to say and commend our uh, supply management professionals out there for really uh, you know, going through numerous transformation processes across their respective companies and uh, 86% is very efficient as companies have adapted and learned to do more with less. Um, it's a very labor-intensive sector. Uh, there's only so much um, uh, added value in, in, with the technology that can replace uh, you know, the human capital element there. Uh, production capacity is expected to increase 2.6%. Uh, capital expenditures, it's fallen off a bit uh, year over year. And as far as what the forecast looked like back in uh, December and what was reported, it's at 1.5%. Similarly, prices, uh, as in manufacturing prices, have increased 1% through the end of April 2015. They were reported to increase 1% in the first four months of the year, but they're expected to decrease 0.4 percentage points for the balance of the year, which would give us a net increase of 0.6%. In the non-manufacturing sector, uh, it's not dealing with uh, raw materials as much as it is finished goods. So what we're seeing is uh, this being closely tied to fuel and fuel-related costs, petroleum-based products, as well as certain food commodity categories, uh, most notably uh, in there is beef. Uh, and we've seen some other, uh, you know, in and out uh, related to 
pork. Pork had some issues with the swine virus, and that's been abated. So now pork prices have uh, softened up a bit. So we're seeing, uh, you know, just certain commodities. The commodity list that we used to see on a monthly basis for non-manufacturing was kind of tedious to go through, but uh, with this cost uh, uh, being contained the way they have or, or pricing holding, uh, we're not seeing a you know long commodity list. Uh, we're also seeing that um, uh, employment is uh, increased a little bit from the forecast uh, previously, going up to two percent for the balance of 2015. I touched on uh, revenues in detail previously about the 2.9%, again mentioning that uh, 13 out of the uh, 18 industries are projecting uh, to have revenue increase, and that's 54% of our respondents. And so the non-manufacturing sector is uh, projected to uh, have continued growth in 2015. Uh, Excuse me. Um, The... Some of the factors that I see, and it appears as though that uh, going forward for the rest of the year, there's going to be improvement in the numbers, and certainly the first quarter was hit by a couple of perfect storm issues. Um, The oil uh, prices uh, have been uh, ticking their way up. I I think yesterday uh, oil was at $61, which is, uh, in, in my mind, the closer we get to 70, the better it is for the whole economy. Um and uh, will help uh, all the numbers that you've been talking about. Uh, The the number that concerned me, and and, and in spite of the numbers that you're reporting for the futures, is the GDP number that came out a couple of days ago of Uh, 0.2% for the first quarter. Um, Naturally, that was probably affected by the uh, L.A. port situation, uh, the, the weather issues as they uh, occurred across uh, the country during the winter months. Uh, any comments about that GDP number of uh, 0.2%? Do you, do you have any sense on where it's going to go, and were you surprised by the 0.2% number? I'm a bit surprised. Uh, our numbers on, on the manufacturing side at, at above 50 would indicate uh, a little bit stronger than that on a long-term average basis. Uh, but, of course, we don't really have real-time information to, to correlate with that directly. Nevertheless, uh, we felt uh, the pinch of these headwinds that you mentioned. In addition, uh, and I believe I mentioned earlier, the strong dollar impacted our uh, export orders of finished products. So certainly we had what we could call a, a soft first quarter uh, March on the manufacturing side, the PMI was at 51.5. The April one was at 51.5 as well. But I like that better because 15 of our 18 industries in April were reporting growth, whereas in the prior month, only 9 or 10 uh, were reporting growth. So the growth is more broadly based in April. And that's a, a springboard for us as we go forward from there. One of the good points is that uh, your numbers are usually very solid. Uh, I think only once did it happen that the numbers were had to be ultimately corrected. But our government may wind up correcting the 0.2% in about 30 days from now. So uh, maybe they were waiting for your report to come out. <laughs> that's possible. And, and as, as you mentioned, uh, there are updates and, if not corrections, uh, you know, reforecasts of uh, GDP on the, on the government side. So mm-hmm. 
it's it's always interesting to see how that works. When you look at the uh, non-manufacturing um, side of things, and especially uh, yesterday's release for the monthly report, you know the composite index came in at 57.8. That's a half a percentage point above the 12-month average. And when you factor that in uh, to the actual um, uh, overall economy, the 57.8 corresponds to a 3.9% increase in real gross domestic product on an annualized basis. Mm-hmm. So that shows a, a, you know, a better picture than that that 2% we're looking yeah. at right now. Right. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, Tony, I want to get just kind of a clarification from you from my. Uh, my myopic thinking here because when I talk about I hear about production capacity and manufacturing I get it when I hear about capacity and non-manufacturing I don't get it so I'll have you explain that when we come back from a quick commercial break manufacturing talk radio will be right back yeah. and, and the rest how of do the meat- you keep your business humming where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment components MRO supplies repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Everyone to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We are here at the ISM uh, conference in Phoenix, Arizona. This is the 100th anniversary, and you know, they've been at it 100 years. And a lot of the things that we have heard at this conference is positioning for the next 100 years. Some very exciting developments. Tony, I want to go back to you and and help our listeners understand because I don't understand capacity in non-manufacturing. Uh, to me, it's an oxymoron. To you, I'm sure it's perfectly clear. Well, you know, when you look at this survey and and how we ask our respondents to reply, and you have to really look at non-manufacturing, the 18 different uh, industries that comprise the non-manufacturing sector. It's very diverse, very eclectic. Um, it includes uh, anything and everything from, you know, accommodation and food services, where there is an actual um, uh, output as it relates to. It could be anything. Is it? Is it? putting out meals? Is it putting out, uh, you know, we we have trouble defining that because it is so broad-based, but the one thing we ask our respondents to do is to be consistent in how they answer the question month over month. And so um, I always like to say, well, what are the, what are the, I I, I go to a combination of food services because that's where my background, uh, you know, originated as far as supply management. And I always said, well, how do you compare that to manufacturing, like manufacturer resources planning or uh, material requirements planning. Think of it like this. You have a recipe. It's no different than a bill of materials, right? And then you have common components across different menus for different restaurants, outlets versus their banquet hall. And that's where your component explosion comes in. So, <laughs> you know, you can really 
make a case for correlating this across the across the board. So I, I look at that. Well, what's the capacity? How much can they handle production-wise, whether it be in the kitchen or the other areas of, say, a hotel? And then we're looking at this on a very broad basis with, with a large company. And you can go into some of the other services industries that actually deal with, like, wholesale. If you look at the wholesale uh, segment, coming in and going out because they're adding time and place value uh, as intermediaries into the supply chain. So that's how you have to kind of get your head around it that direction. Great, great, very helpful. Thank you. Now, Brad, I know that in every one of these uh, forecasts that you do that you ask some special questions, and you have two that you've asked your listeners. Why don't we deal with the first one first, and I'll let you and and Tony kind of uh, explain to our listeners what that question is and uh, what kind of responses you got. Yeah, from very early in in the year, we've been faced with um, a, a few different things that have caused um, caused a bit of a slowdown. <clears throat> and we asked our panel uh, specifically about two of those issues. And the first one was, what was the impact of the West Coast port slowdown in the early part of 2015? And here's what our panel came back with again, on the manufacturing side. And we asked the question, was it a short-term impact, meaning uh, that it would be cleared up in just a few months in the early part of the year? Was it a long-term impact, uh, meaning that it would take the bulk of the year to sort of clear up for them? Uh, another uh, response was that were you, were you not impacted? Uh, or are you are you unsure of the impact? And so here's here's how they responded. Forty seven point seven percent said that the impact was real, but it was short term. In other words, that it would be cleared up in the first few months of the year. Only nine percent said that it would have a long term impact, meaning that it would take the bulk of the year, if not the entire year to sort of clear things up uh, as they should be. 38.7% said they were not impacted. And many of those uh, simply do not import or export uh, materials. Uh, but again, that's quite a sizable number, 38.7% not impacted. And then only 4.5% were not sure. So there you have it on the manufacturing side. Certainly um, an impact uh, was was felt and, and talked about, but there, there's the specifics of how the panel responded. Okay. Well, I have to give you guys kudos in regards to even addressing this whole West Coast port issue because I was a guest on your show way back, I don't know how many months ago, and you asked the question on the show, and I was like, well, you know, I haven't heard much from our respondents. And, you know, I, I live in California. I live in Los Angeles area, and I didn't even see anything in the papers hardly. And sure as anything, the next month I was inundated with all these comments <laughs> from our respondents. So you guys were way out in front of it. Yeah. And um, so now I'm seeing even the remnants of it, even though uh, they're saying it's been addressed. Depends on who you ask. Um there's still, from what I hear from some of our um, members in, in, at ISM, that there's seven weeks of backlog still sitting on the water out there. Absolutely. And uh, so uh, they've dealt with it 
with certain workarounds, you know, whether it be overland trucking or uh, air freight or whatever, or rerouting and all this other things, but it did add cost and it did affect margin. So uh, it was more than just the nuisance. It actually hit the pocketbook of certain companies. And, you know, when I look at the breakdown for non-manufacturing, you have to realize that, as I mentioned earlier about the eclectic uh, composition of, of non-manufacturing, there's many companies that don't deal with tangible goods. Mm-hmm. However, when you look, and you have to take those out of the equation, right? But then when you still look at that and who's been impacted, the short term says 34.5% and the long term is only 4.6%, but define short term. You know, Again, if the cycle time is short term for somebody could be a full year and a full year of impact, you know, and even though we define that differently on the survey, sometimes it goes into perpetuity and they don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that this port issue has had, uh, you know, again, more of a financial impact than anything else that, uh, you know, we don't drill into to our survey respondents to really ascertain exactly what the financial uh, ramifications have been. But I think it's significant if you ever put it in the aggregate. Right. And I think certainly there's going to be a continued impact as uh, people importing and exporting in the West Coast that don't have to are going to shift it to the Gulf states and the East Coast. And Lou, has the agreement been signed yet with the long-term? The agreement not only hasn't been signed, which is supposed to be signed on the 22nd of May, uh, they have not issued the uh, contract agreement to the rank-and-file. So the rank and file who believes that the situation has been settled, they don't even know what they're voting on yet, which is not uncommon. Our Congress does that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Brad, what was the other uh, special question you asked your survey respondents? And the second question uh, pertained to the net annual impact of fluctuating uh, price of oil and related commodities. And the the possible answers uh, that we provided our panel, was there a net positive impact, a net negative impact, negligible impact, or not sure? And here's their responses. 41% said that there was a positive net impact. And in our last uh, update on the the monthly uh, April report, I remember one from the food and beverage uh, industry saying that, yes, indeed, it was positive, and it's positive for two reasons, that, one, people are saving money at the gas pump, and they're spending extra money at the grocery store, and then secondly, uh, this uh, oil situation reduces the cost of raw materials, like a lot of the plastic packaging and so on that's used in the grocery store, so that helps with their cost of raw materials. So, again, 41% a net positive impact. On the negative side, 14.5% said that they felt a negative net impact uh, from the uh, oil situation. Negligible impact came in at 33.5% and unsure at 11%. So, in balance, it was either neutral or net positive with only, again, 14.5% a net negative, and that impacted especially the coal and petroleum industry that we follow, as well as a couple of others. Well, when we look at this from the non-manufacturing side of things, uh, the positive net impact was 33.5%. 
Negligible was 39.2. Negative was 11.9, and 15.3% was unsure. What's interesting about this, and I've seen many of these comments uh, from our respondents in uh, the monthly uh, uh, precipitating this uh, semiannual uh, uh, release, that even though fuel prices went down, they didn't see it necessarily being passed on in product uh, cost reduction. They also still were seeing fuel surcharges in there and fuel-related charges still in the invoices. So mm-hmm. you know, I think the uh, the supplier community was still looking at it as, as part of the margin, overall margin. They were just uh, you know, turning either a blind eye to it or seeing how it panned out on a trend rather than just automatically taking it off. They were very quick to add it on, but <laughs> not so much to take it back. <laughs> That's kind of a bite of the apple. <laughs> we want to uh, thank uh, you, Brad, and you, Tony, for coming on to the show and giving our listening audience who weren't at the ISM show and should have been uh, um, the opportunity to hear about the uh, of the semi-annual forecast update here. It's been a lot of excellent information. I also understand, Brad, that you have just co-authored a book and released it with uh, Andreana, um, Adriana Sanford. Adriana Sanford, yes. Um, that's, uh, uh, you're now a published author. Congratulations, along with being a Shipman Award winner. Well, thanks very much. And this is about to be released. Uh, Adriana Sanford, uh, professor at Arizona State University, did most of the heavy lifting. Myself and a couple of others uh, were contributing uh, authors and and editors, and we're very excited about it. The general subject is uh, global ethics and compliance, talking about all of those challenges that differ from country to country and that impact uh, all of our global and international companies. And we feel that uh, the Institute for Supply Management and its members in the profession of procurement supply management really need to take a a leadership role in in understanding all of those issues uh, to uh, maintain uh, ethical standards that are required and to uh, represent their companies very well. So it's it, it, it's about ethics. Uh, it's about weathering the storms. Uh, it should be released uh, very, very soon uh, by Pearson, uh, the largest publisher of textbook materials in the world. It'll come out as an ebook and also as a hard copy uh, within the next few days. I understand that Brazil is uh, ordering extra copies. Well,. <laughs> There's a lot of places that need extra copies, but it, it will be uh, excellent textbook materials in a subject which has to be dealt with. There's nothing out there right now like this. We know that Arizona State in a number of departments, especially at the MBA level, but also the undergraduate level, is, is waiting for this to use it as a textbook, and I think it will go on from there. We're also going to publish it in Spanish. Uh, and possibly other languages as we go along. Is there a title assigned to it yet? Uh, the, the title is is essence, and I don't have the words in front yeah. of me because okay. it's still a little bit dynamic. Uh, is about again ethics. That's the headline. Weathering the storms in terms of compliance, uh, corruption, and those kinds of issues. Okay, thank you. Uh, 
Fred, Tony, again, thank you. We're, we're always uh, excited to have you on the show. We always appreciate the information that you share with our listening audience. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you, and congratulations again, Brad. Thanks very much. Thank it's always you. good to be with you. Thank you. And that wraps us up today for Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you for listening. We're going to post this show very shortly on the website, mfgtalkradio.com. If you're looking for the report, it's at instituteforsupplymanagement.org. So you can pull up both. Well, you can get the semi-annual update, and you can also get the monthly report on business for both manufacturing and non-manufacturing. Excellent documents for you to refer to. And that's a wrap-up for Manufacturing Talk Radio at the ISM Show in Phoenix, Arizona. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.